Good morning, church. Let's stand for the reading of God's word today. Today we're continuing on in Luke chapter 18, verses 15 through 30. Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for all for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God is as a little child will by no means enter it. Now, a certain ruler asked him, saying, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one that is God. You know, the commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. And when you have, and, and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. But when he heard this, he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he became very sorrowful, he said, how, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? But he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, see, we have left all and we followed you. So he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come. Let's pray. God, we thank you for fresh perspective today. God, we thank you for the lens that you, you easily shift things and we look at things just a little bit differently. And, and for us that are in this room today, we, we, we're probably really good at putting together agendas and feeling like we have checked everything off on our list that uh, we feel like we're supposed to do. But you remind us today that there's still one more important thing, and that's just simply to surrender and be dependent on you. God, so we thank you for your grace. God, right now we, we ask that you would pour life into hearts today, that you would, you would ignite hope in our spirits today, and that you would remind us that you are just like, a, just like a father to us, that you are here holding our hands today. In your perfect name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Awesome. Welcome the mighty Pastor Raphael, everybody. Come on. <laughs> All right, let's thank Mike for that awesome introduction. <laughs> Not just kidding. Thank you. Love this brother. How you guys doing? How much time do I have? Okay. That's always good to check. Um, so you guys heard Mickey talking about the young adult uh, next weekend on Saturday. They're going to be at Marriott and Regency. Amazing. 20 bucks a person. You don't have to be a young adult to go. So if you want to take your lady, I'm taking my lady. <laughs> so you can go. So you just need to go to mygoodnews.church and sign up. We're going to have an amazing time. All right. So as you guys know, we have been talking. We started talking last week about fasting and praying. And we encourage every one of you as part of the family to be praying in the month of February. And we have some brochures left. I believe we still have some left in the info center of the 14 prayer points that you can pray 
one a day for 14 days and then repeat it or pray two a day. Just pick whatever God is saying. I want really focus on these, whatever you want to do. But we want you to pray and also to be fasting. And I have a quick story for you guys this week as we were deciding as a family, what are we going to do? We had a family meeting. Have you guys had those before? You know, we had one here last week. We kind of got some things straightened out and, and talked uh, like, you know, face to face and heart to heart. So this week we had a family meeting and we were talking about what are we going to do as a family to fast and pray, spend more time in prayer as a family. So there's some things that we individually are going to do. There are things that I and Victoria will do that the kids cannot really do what we're no, not going to advise them to do. Um, but there's something we want to do together. So as we were talking about this and we asked our kids, you know, they're 15, 12 and nine. We asked them, okay, so what do you guys think we should fast? You know, we explained what fasting was. We're denying our flesh, right? In order that we can focus on Jesus and just give him our attention and just let's, you know, spend time with him. And so as we were talking, then our nine-year-old, what's the first one? He's like, ooh, I know. I know we're going to fast. We're going to fast as a family. I said, what, buddy? What, we're going to fast? And he says, we're going to fast showers. <laughs> yep. I didn't have that reaction. I was like, oh, boy, I do not want to be around you <laughs> a whole month without showers. So anyway, we said, hey, buddy, um, it's not giving up something you don't want to do. Um, that's not how it works. And then he says, he, he put his head down and said, mm, but I really don't want to give up video games. So anyway, he understood. So anyway, just want to encourage you to join us as, as we take this journey. And if anything else, just shift your attention on Jesus and not on the things that distract you. Amen? All right, so... Today, we, we have a, a wonderful couple of stories. And the first one, the first couple of verses, 15 and 16, we've heard it before, right? And many times it's about, okay, Jesus loved the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, right? And brown too. So we hear that and we're like, yeah, Jesus loved the children. And, and to enter the kingdom of heaven, you must be like a little child. And we get that. But I love what Luke has done here. He has taken two stories and put them side by side that we can see a contrast. OK, so on one hand, we have people, presumably parents that are bringing infants to Jesus for Jesus to touch them. And then the disciples are saying, no, 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 no. you can't bring them. They're not worthy of Jesus's time. And in that culture at that time, it was not really children are not, you know, so high when it came to the to the pecking order in a community. But then on the other hand, we have this young rich ruler who has a better standing in the community and he's granted access to Jesus. But he didn't come for Jesus to touch him. He came so he can ask Jesus a question. And as we read the the. The, the conversation and what happened between Jesus and him, it is very clear that he was approaching Jesus for a very specific reason. But before we get to that interaction, I love what happens in verse 15, in verse 16. Because Jesus says, let the children come to me. So after the disciples rebuked those that were bringing the infants, then Jesus says, 
Let them come to me and do not forgive the, for, forbid them. For such is the kingdom for, for, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And then Jesus add another component. We've been talking about the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus now adds another component of what the kingdom of heaven looks like here on earth. And he says in verse um, that in verse 17 that whosoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And this is very, very important because this is not now about what I get to do, what I do and what I don't do and what I obey. Right. This is not about me. To enter the kingdom of heaven, to have access. But it is completely about him and it's completely about my ability to depend on him and it's completely on my ability to trust him and to rely on him as my father you know i was telling first service that when our son elijah was born you know i'm first time dad and he was born and i did things for that young man that i did not ever think that i was going to do for another human being and some of you that have had children know exactly what I'm talking about. But it is interesting that he doesn't remember those things. You know, he was such a baby, an infant. But I remember them because I'm the dad and I'm the one that did those things. You know, I remember when he used to wake up and scream in the middle of the night from his crib. You know, remember that? Yeah, and I jumped because it was my first child, too. So every noise he made, man, I was jumping off that bed like, what, what's going on? So I jump up and I go grab him. And it's interesting. As soon as I grab him, he'll be quiet. It was just a sense of security. He said he it was automatically everything is good. Dad is here. And that's that sense of security that our heavenly father wants us to have. Understanding that it is when we come to him as infants, as little children, just like that. To be secure. I also remember, which it was so precious, you know, as he is a little guy and I'm feeding him. Right. It's like he's over there going. Man, they suck hard and fast. But I'm just feeding him and I look at this big brown eyes just looking at me. And he's just looking and looking and looking and feeling so safe and so provided for. And my heart was just melting, you know. And if you guys have not experienced that right on this side, just watch a video, YouTube video. You guys, it's cool. But, but it was just, it's just that, that feeling as a father that I felt. I want I to provide for him, right? And provide safety. And I want to provide what he needs. Take care of him, Right? That is what is Jesus is talking about here. It's complete dependence upon him, upon your father. So what does it look like for us to be as little children? What does it look like? It looks exactly like what I just said. And for me, now and before, is for me to relinquish things. And I'm trying to make things happen, not trying to be the author of my own destiny. That's what it looks like for me to be in complete dependence on the Lord and to be as a child. It is not to worry about what the future holds. 
and be all up in my head and my heart gets all knotted up. That's what it looks like for me to be a child in the arms of our Savior. You know, and it is important to recognize in these two verses that something happened. Something is very important. There was these infants were going to Jesus to be touched by Jesus, but they couldn't go by themselves. Somebody was bringing them. And something that I missed before, as I was reading this passage again, the Lord said, Raphael, you didn't come to me by yourself. Somebody brought you to me. That was my mom, much prayer. Praying every day for my salvation. That was my brother, and you guys have heard that before. That dude was so annoying. But you and I, there are some people in our lives that God has placed in our lives for the specific purpose of us bringing them to the presence of Jesus that he may touch them. Very important. So who has God brought into your life that you may bring him or her to the presence of Jesus, to be touched by Jesus, right? And then there's some of us that we are with Jesus and we're so happy to be in Jesus' presence. And there's some people that we don't want to come bother that. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. You, you can't have access. You can't come in here. And sometimes we don't say that, but sometimes we act that way. And as I was reading this, God was convicting me, saying, Raphael, who are the people that you automatically, right away, you judge and you don't allow them access to me? For me to touch them. So I just put that out there. Just so we can be aware. I love what Pastor Jason was saying this week. He's like you know. Self-awareness is so important. Right. Going to exercise a filter right now. Thank you Jesus for self-control. Then Jesus moves. And in verse 16. Jesus then calls them to him. This is so fascinating because the disciples rebuke the people that were bringing the infants. Then Jesus rebukes them. And Jesus says, you know what? Then he called them to himself. What a powerful thing when Jesus calls you, when Jesus is calling you to himself. And there's some of you here today that you found yourself here and you have no reason why you came. Well, you, you do have an idea why you came. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you just woke up this morning. You say, I got to come to church. And maybe you live nearby. You heard about this place, whatever it is. But I sense that God is calling you. He's saying, come on, come to me. So then we move into verse 18 when the when the story shifts, Right. There's a shift in the story. And now we read this conversation between Jesus and this young, rich ruler. This interaction, to me at least, has the tone of, hey, Jesus, um, uh, can you please approve of me? And not so much please. It's more like, can you validate me? See, validate what I'm doing. I'm doing everything right. I want you to agree with me. I want you to agree that I deserve eternal life. So when he asked Jesus, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus' response is very interesting. 
Because Jesus doesn't answer the question right away. He says, why do you call me good? There's none good. It's only one that's good, and that's God. You know why that's important? Because I don't, you don't have to be a scholar to realize that Jesus is saying something to this man that is not being plainly said or plainly seen by us. Because if he's coming to Jesus saying, good teacher, and Jesus says, hold up, um, I'm not good. Why you call me good? Why are you calling me good? There's only one that's good, and that's my father in heaven. It's only God that is good. Then automatically he's saying, you're not as good as you think you are. You're not as good as you think you are. There's only one that's good. Listen to this. Jesus moves on to, and he says to him, you know the commandments. Do not, do not murder. Do not steal. Do not commit adultery. Do not, do not, and do not. Oh, and do honor your father and mother. And then this man's response was, I've been doing that from my youth. So he's coming to Jesus asking him, okay, why must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments. Here they are. And he says, I've been doing all of them. So again, he's saying, I got it. I'm doing so good. I'm checking all the boxes. See, this young man must be thinking, the whole point is to obey the law, right? And that's what I've been doing. In the common wisdom of the time, this man was blessed by God. Because in, the, in that culture, you do good, you get good. You do bad, you get bad, right? So he had the proof that he was righteous before the Lord. Everybody, if we're part of that community, we'll see this man and say, he's blessed by God. He's righteous before God because he's rich. That was the wisdom of the time. And Jesus here is saying, hold up, you're not that good. So he's turning his understanding upside down. Then Jesus moves and says in verse 22, you still lack one thing. Can you say one thing? You lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute to the poor. I remember years ago when I read this, I was like, wow, this guy was really close to being perfect because he only had one issue. <laughs> I have many. But that's not what it means. It's not, it doesn't mean that this, this is the only thing. That this man had an issue with. What this means is that this one thing was what he held above everything else. I've been there before. I was there before I gave my life to Jesus. And I was there after, even after I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember before I came to faith in Christ that God was asking me for the one thing. For the one thing. And see, we can say, hey, it was this thing that I like to do, this other thing that I like to do, that I was going to give up all these things. But God did not ask me for any specific one of those little things that I used to like and want to do or desire to do. He says, I want your life. I want your life. 
And that was the one thing. And finally, when I could not run anymore, then I gave him my life. And that was the one thing. And then when I came to faith in Christ, then the calling came, right? And then there was the, the one thing. What was my one thing? My one thing was position and possessions. I had a plan. Boy, did I have a plan. When I get to 30, when I get to 40, when I get to 50, I had a plan. And God was getting ready to disrupt all of my plans. So my one thing was my job, was my career, was climbing that ladder that was bringing me success, that was bringing me fulfillment, so I thought. Until God started highlighting that one thing that was becoming so much more important for me than him. And he's not going to have that. So it was uh, after me placing all the excuses. Lord, but you blessed me with this job, but you blessed me with this career. But look at that now. You know, we got three kids now and we build a home and all this stuff. It is until the Lord said, okay, have it your way, but have it without me. Do you want me to pull your security blanket for you to obey? I don't know about you, but that is a very uncomfortable place to be. And I, and, I, and I feel in this story that same sense for this young ruler. What are you going to do when you're faced with this predicament, right? So what is that one thing? You know, we know that this meant any, uh, a lot to him, to this man, to give up his possessions because of his response or his lack thereof. Because verse 23 says that he became very sorrowful for he was very rich. He went away. He went away still rich, but, but sad. Still rich, but not getting to taste what God had in store for him. See, in the Old Testament, it was about following the law and obeying the law. And in the New Testament, it's about where your treasure is. And what is your treasure, right? Matthew 6, 21. But where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus moves on to the rest of verse 22, and he speaks directly into this. And he says that, you know, you, you like one thing, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then he says, and come follow me. There it is. Surrender the one thing for the greater thing. There it is. Surrender the one thing so you can come follow me. See, because that follow me, it's, it's what's, it's what's about. That's what it's all about. You know, it's been my experience that that call, come follow me, could be very disruptive to our lives. That call, follow me, could be very uncomfortable at times. But that call, follow me, that invitation to follow Jesus could be the most rewarding, most satisfying and powerful thing you ever do in your life. Jesus moves on in verse 24 and 25, and he says this. 
when he's seen that the man walked away sad. He says, how hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then those that were there, they heard and said, who then can be saved? This is a really good question. It was a good question. And I want you to know that Jesus here is not condemning riches. Jesus is not condemning riches here. He is letting us know that the material possessions have the potential of becoming that dividing factor. Jesus right here, what he's doing, more than bringing judgment upon the rich, is actually turning the common wisdom of the time upside down. Why? Because in that culture, like I said before, if you had money, if you were rich, you were blessed by God. That was the thought, right? What happened to Job? You guys remember? He was rich. Oh, God is blessing him. He lost it all. Oh, he sinned against God and God is judging him. You guys remember that? Now, imagine if you are part of this culture and you believe that those that have are doing good and that God is blessing them. And then Jesus comes into the scene and says, hey, it's going to be so hard if you have riches to enter the kingdom. It's going to be as hard as a camel going through an eye of a needle. And I was going to bring a needle today to show you. But I didn't want any poking in my, po- in my pockets. And plus, I couldn't bring a camel anyway, so I couldn't show you. <laughs> but imagine how difficult that must be. And Jesus is saying, it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom. That's completely flipping their understanding of the kingdom. And then they ask the question, so uh, who enters then? Who gets to go? Who, who gets to partake in this kingdom? Who gets to experience the kingdom of God? And he says, I'm glad you asked. And then we get to verse 27. Then and Jesus said that things which are impossible with men are possible with God. You guys put verse 27 up there. Because sometimes I think that we lack uh, sometimes with uh, the ability to actually speak some things, declare some things. There are things that devil needs to hear you say. There are things that you need to hear you say. Are you guys going to put it up there? I mean, I'm going to call you out. Just kidding. I love you guys. All right. So it's verse 27. 1827 says, For... That things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Can we say that? The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. That's what it's all about. See, salvation is impossible with men, but it is possible with God. See, restoration is impossible with men, but it's possible with God. Healing. Physical healing. Right?
Some of you have been looking to be delivered for some, from something. And you may, may have done the 12 steps. You may have done medicine. And you still bound. The things that are impossible with men are possible with God. I'm a living testament of that. And we know that Jesus came to fulfill the law. We know that he came to fulfill everything that was written. The prophets. But right here and right now in this passage and in our lives, I sense God saying, I'm making a way for the camel. And guess what? If the camel fits through the eye of a needle. I'm not judging you, but you guys all look smaller than a camel. So you have access. You have access. I love what happens here in verse 28. Peter jumps up and Peter says, hey, 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 Jesus, we're left at all. And we have come and follow you. It's almost like it clicked. He's hearing Jesus talk all this stuff. And he's like, we did it. We left it all and come and follow you, Jesus. Peter had been walking with Jesus now for some time. And he was still not aware of his inheritance. He was still not aware of what God had for him. And Jesus reminds him. Right after that, then the Lord said to them, As surely I say to you, there is, there is no one who has left house or parents or brothers or wife, children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. Eternal life now and eternal life later. Is the now and the later. Don't just focus on the later. There is the now as well. Many of you. That have counted the cost to following Christ. Whether it's jobs, relationships, ridicule, perhaps shame. And some have paid more than others. But it's not up to you and I to dictate or to determine, oh, I've paid more than you. No, 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 no. God knows what's in your account. He knows what is in my account, right? The point is, are we going to trust him? Are we going to come to him with that position of trust and surrender? Please stand. See, whatever the cost, it is worth it. And some of you in here, perhaps some of us, feel that, well, I've given up a lot to follow Jesus. And he may be yet asking for more because he knows that there's more in the account. But there's something that is called return on investment, right? And the investment that you make right now is going to be a lot smaller than the return because this return doesn't stop. 
This return doesn't stop. This is an internal investment. This is the gift that truly keeps on giving. Why? Because it is eternal life now and eternal life to come. Who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come eternal life. There's the fullness of life that God wants for you and I now and beyond. Ask you to close your eyes real quick. The whole concept of being as little children, being as an infant. Man, I, I truly have struggled with that. Because I am an adult and I want to make adult decisions and I want to be in control of things and I don't want to feel uncomfortable and I don't want to feel like I have to depend on, depend on someone else, whoever that is to lead me, to guide me, to tell me what I must do, how I must act. It's just tough. It's just uncomfortable for me. And perhaps that's where you've been. That total surrender, that no more fear, that no more insecurity, that no more anxiety, that's like foreign to you, man. And I've been there. But right now, in the name of Jesus, name of Jesus, I declare that the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. And even that surrender that seems so impossible right now, it is possible with God. So if that's you and you say, man, I I really want to be and accept the kingdom and come into, into his presence as a child, let him know. Right now, just you and him moment you you could make your way to this altar and pray and and see what the Lord is saying to you there's some of you that I pray that God will place an individual in your mind that you need to bring to Jesus perhaps is inviting that person over to your house to your apartment or maybe just inviting them over to coffee and you pay for it loving on them even though they are so difficult to love who is that person that's going to be able to see the love of God through you and that as you act like Jesus they will become in love with you and they will until love Jesus who knows you may perhaps even be able to bring that individual to church What's the one thing that's keeping you from being fully surrendered to what God has called you to do? Fully surrender to your destiny, to your purpose. God, I pray for your people right now. I pray, God, that you make us as little children, that by your spirit, you help us be totally dependent upon you. God, I pray that you help us see those individuals that will not come to you by themselves, God, but that you have asked us, you have asked us to bring them to you. God, help us to have courage, to have the words to say, God. Lord, give us the courage to surrender the one thing. God, for the things.
things that are impossible with man are possible with you. God, I thank you for your people. anybody in here that as I'm sharing you have heard in you you know that God is asking you that God is asking you to come follow him you have never made a decision before to follow Jesus but today you're saying man I have to do this no more running around no more running from God but I need to run to him is there anyone here I just want to see your hand I want to pray with you personally see your hand sir thank you I see your hand back there thank you anybody else